Take your Bibles, please. Join me in Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 5 tonight where we are currently considering the relationships which the Apostle Paul has been led of the Holy Spirit to write about. I took one week just to kind of introduce this mini-series within our series of going through the book of Ephesians. And last week, we considered the need for helpmeets. God made Adam a helpmeet. And wives, you are designed by God to be a helpmeet to your husband. People all over talk about wanting to know God's will for their lives when much of it is right there in the Word of God for us already. Ladies, if you're a wife, it is God's will for you to be a helper to your own husband. You've been gifted to help your husband fulfill God's will for his life. And when you give yourself to that, you are actually fulfilling God's will for your life. One doesn't have to be married to be effective in ministry. But since most are married, I'll say that some of the most effective ministries are those where the husband and wife are following God's blueprint. A man will be far more effective in life, in his family, in his profession, in his ministry, when there is a faithful wife who understands her primary role is to aid her husband that he might be all that God would have him to be. And wives, I know the world says that you cannot find worth by being as God has designed you, but I'm encouraging you through this to trust God's Word. And you'll truly be liberated when you do what God has called you to do. I said a mouthful last week. If you missed last week, I'm encouraging you to please go online and listen to it. Let's go to our text tonight in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. Our text for this part about the wives that we've been talking about is only through verse 24, but I would like to read through the end of the chapter. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. I'm not sure that any other two words in marital history 
have caused such a wide range of emotions as wives submit. For some, they love it. For many, they hate it. But when we depart from this command, we are departing from the Bible. Once we try to fit the Bible into cultural norms, we have to ask ourselves, where will the compromise end? I realize there are now these so-called gender-neutral Bibles. Those aside, I have no idea, for those who read even modern versions for that matter, I have no idea how they can see a wife's role in the Bible and then have a clear conscience about being a wife and pastoring a church. It, It blows my mind. The Bible is so clear on the issue. My point is, even as independent Baptists who tend to toe the line more scripturally than most, if we compromise on this, where is our compromise going to stop? The same book which tells us Jesus saves is the same book which says, wives submit. Everything we know about God is from the Bible. And if we use the Bible to preach about God, then why would we change what that very same book says about other areas of life? We're not to pick and choose what we will believe and what we won't believe. And we're not to choose which of God's principles are still valid in the 21st century. I understand that it takes time to grow in many areas of the Christian life. And there are struggles in doing that. But we shouldn't just dismiss it because it's difficult. God's principles will remain the same in every generation. Let me give you my opinion on why I feel like these two words have caused such a stir, especially in the day and age in which we live and has caused a division for so many homes and marriages. I believe it's because all we've heard is wives submit. But the command for a wife to submit must be preached in the context of the entire verse and the entire chapter. And so we can't just throw out these phrases and never explain what all that entails. If all we ever do is take the two words, wives submit, it it immediately kind of has this negative connotation in our minds because we naturally, in our flesh, don't want to submit to anybody. And so we don't naturally like that. That's why we rebel against our parents. That's why we get the idea of, I'm going to go join the military. (laughs) And honestly, some of that's just a natural part of life. I was explaining to my kids, the reason why as you're getting older, you more and more look at some of these things uh, the way you do is because God's put it in your heart to move on one day. That's a whole other thing, and maybe we'll get to that when we get to children obey. But um, when we look at this in its entirety, then we read, Wives, submit, un, uh, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. The world will never understand this principle. Because without Christ, you can't rightly understand a lot of this. And so all they hear are those two words. But they don't hear, nor would they understand, 
what the rest of the verse is saying. The other major issue is so many women have been put through such detrimental relationships that there is now a fear in giving themselves over to a man, either through abuse, be it physical, mental, emotional, whatever. There's a distrust of men. And when the Bible then says, wives, you need to submit, there's immediately a wall there. And I'm not saying they don't have a legitimate reason for those feelings, but when the Bible commands it, He gives the grace to obey it. What I'd like to do with this verse is initially take a look at it in reverse. Before we talk about submit, let's talk about the phrase, as unto the Lord. If there are going to be submissive wives, then your heart has to be right with the Lord. Remember what Paul said before he wrote all this. He said, you got to be spirit-filled. And so your heart has to be right with God going into it. As you would submit yourself to the Lord, you submit yourself to your husband. Because in verse 23, the husband is the head of the wife. As the church is to be in subjection to Christ, so wives are to be to their own husbands. And the picture is when a wife refuses her husband's leadership, she is resisting the Lord. If you're resisting your husband, you're resisting God. And I'd put it this way, if a wife refuses to submit to her husband, she is refusing to submit to God. You submit for the Lord's sake because He commanded it. You won't submit to your husband until you submit to the Lord. So how's your relationship with the Lord, first and foremost? (laughs) Until you get your relationship right with the Lord, you're not going to have a right relationship with your husband. But husbands, I'll get just a little bit ahead of the text for just a moment. When your wife submits unto you as unto the Lord, then you need to make sure that you're not requiring of her something that is not of the Lord. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Which means as it is proper. There is submission which is proper. But husbands, you don't have a right to expect your wife to submit to you unless you're being like your Lord. But wives, you're not required to do anything immoral, illegal, or unethical just because your husband said to do it. Wives, once your relationship is right with the Lord, once you're in proper submission unto the Lord, the next phrase is, unto your own husband. And don't let another husband get into your marriage. You don't submit to another husband. You submit to your own husband. And don't look at another marriage and berate your husband because he's not like that husband. You don't know what goes on in that marriage. Amen. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Well, why can't you be more like so-and-so? 
Well, that's a good way to have a healthy marriage right there. I've been married long enough to know that nobody will put up with me like my wife does. You may look at some marriages and you may think, man, they've got it all figured out. Don't let the outward illusion fool you. (laughs) Remember when I talked about curb appeal a couple weeks ago? (laughs) And by the way, I would get on a soapbox right here. Ladies, you're heading for trouble if you're caught up in those trashy romance novels that lead you to believe there is an all-perfect man waiting to come and sweep you off your feet and save you from the disastrous relationship you're in. There is no perfect man. By the way, there is no perfect woman. But it's interesting that women are drawn to those kinds of things. They're drawn to those kind of novels. They're drawn to these, I was going to say idiotic movies, but they're drawn to these movies... I'm so glad I'm a man, amen? And they're drawn to those things because deep down every woman does have a desire for their knight in shining armor. And, and that's interesting to me because the world on one hand will try to say, ladies, you need to stand on your own and you need to be domineering and all these things, and yet all their entertainment centers around a man who fulfills all of their needs. It's just interesting to me the dichotomy there. When it comes to submission to your own husbands, wives, if you work outside the home, it's more difficult for you to submit at home. This is not something I came up with. This is something I've heard over the years. After a wife spends eight hours at work submitting to another man, and then she has to come home, and men, you know what it's like to come home, and you want to shift gears and get from work mode to home mode. Well, she wants to shift gears, and now all of a sudden she's to be in subjection to another man. And uh, it it just makes it more difficult. And I'm not real sure what to do with all of that yet. I've been chewing on that. But uh, I will say this. It's sad to me when a wife can go into the workforce and submit gladly to her husband, but not submit to, or submit gladly to her boss, but not submit to her own husband. There's something wrong there. Who are you respecting more? And on that note, wives, don't make the mistake of thinking your husband knows nothing about submission. I hear that one too. He, he doesn't know what it means to submit. Oh, yes, he does. He's in the workforce. And I can tell you, when I was in the military, I had plenty of bosses. And I was in submission all day long. So don't, don't try to pull that card so quickly. A man is in, in, is in submission both secularly and spiritually because there is a head over the man, and that's Christ. And the truth is, ladies, if you're in a situation where you are blessed to be able to stay home, uh, you have it made. That's the easiest way. Your husband has all the responsibility. And I realize we live in a city that is completely topsy-turvy on pay versus house prices. And, and I understand you've got to do what you've got to do. I'm not here to preach against that right now. But uh, just, don't, just don't look at it that way. We all submit in one way or the other. Now, as we begin looking at why... Are we having fun so far? As we begin to look at, this is hard, okay? Why did I decide to go verse by verse? (laughs) As we begin to look at wives submitting, I want to again draw from the phrase, as unto the Lord, and let's get just a little bit deeper there into the meaning. It says, wives, submit yourselves, which means you have to willingly place yourself in subjection. There is nothing in you that is inferior that you cannot 
uh, run a home. There is nothing in you that is so inferior that you can't handle this or do that. Or, I mean, for crying out loud, you give birth. It's an act of willing obedience. You have to choose to do it. You have to choose, yourself, uh, choose to place yourself under His care. The Greek word which makes up uh, this word is actually two words um, that make up this word for submit yourself. It means place yourself under another's authority for the sake of an orderly arrangement. God has an order in marriage. It's a willing, voluntary act of recognition and submission to His divine authority as unto the Lord. Listen to how this Greek word is used in Romans 13, verses 1 and 2. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Why are we to be subject to governing authorities? It's not because they have earned the right. But it's because there is no authority except it come from God. Even Jesus told Pilate, you would have no authority, you would have no power except my Father gave it you. It's a divine institution. Pharaoh did not have to earn the respect of Joseph. Nebuchadnezzar did not have to earn the respect of Daniel. The king did not have to earn the respect of Nehemiah. They had a position ordained by God, and those men placed themselves under that subjection. They respected it. My military commanders didn't have to earn my respect before I would follow. Why is the wife to be subject to her own husband? Well, what does the text say again? Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And let me get controversial for some. That man you married is in a divine position. When an officer pulls you over, you do not ask him, what's your rank? You don't ask, how long have you been on the job? How well did you fire last time you qualified on your firearm? He doesn't have to earn your respect. Because it's bestowed upon him. It's authority by virtue of his office. In similar fashion, the husband is the head. Not should be the head or ought to be the head or can be the head or will be the head or was the head. He is the head by virtue of who he is. Now where does this view of marriage come from? Because people get all over the Apostle Paul. Well, it didn't come from Paul. It came from God in Genesis. God established this from the beginning. God first gave dominion to Adam before He ever made Eve. He named the animals. He, he did all this. 
And then God made Eve and brought Eve to Adam. And there was no need for the command to submit back in the garden because Eve understood the sovereignty of God. She understood her husband was divinely created to lead. There was a distinction all the way back in the beginning. Therefore, those who try to say the New Testament verses on marriage are outdated really have a problem with God's design all the way back from the beginning. A godly wife is one who is grounded in the right doctrine first. And she understands the difference between her and her husband. The Bible says God made them male and female. There's a difference. And so the husband is in a divine position. Ugly as he is. His hair is turning gray. It's turning loose. He weighs more than he did when you met him. (laughs) His glory days are past. He doesn't earn it. He doesn't work for it. He is born into it. And wives need to see their husbands as God sees them. He is the head by creation. And this is where it must start. See, a lot of times in these kind of seminars people do, they, they start with how you submit. You don't start with how to submit. You start with why you submit. And it's because of how God has designed it. So what does it mean to be submissive? <laughs> Look down at verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. There will never be a godly marriage once the wife decides that respect is something that has to be earned. A husband doesn't earn respect, he fortifies it. He has that position. He's supposed to do the things in which he makes the environment proper for that. He's already in the position of respect by creation. But what if he doesn't act respectful? I think we all understand that. God bless you. And I'm telling you, in this church, if your husband's treating you wrong, if he's hitting you, you come and tell me and I'll get it taken care of. Because we don't put up with that here. If it's illegal, unethical, and moral, we'll deal with it. And, and I understand if he doesn't treat you respectful, that's a difficult position to be in. But you cannot... Make your husband holy. It's only by the Spirit. The chief thing that God calls you to do as a wife is to be godly. And what that means according to verse 33 there at the end of it is that you reverence your husband. The the first part of submission is that you respect. You respect your husband. This means you don't subvert your husband's authority in front of your children. Feel free to pull them aside. But don't do it in front of your kids. Don't challenge him openly. Don't criticize your husband in public. Don't embarrass him publicly. If you're not going to honor and respect your husband in public, you're not going to do it at home. And as I stated last week, a wife, a good wife, a godly wife will be a crown to her husband. When you see a wife, you ought to see her husband, and vice versa. There's nothing that says you can't confront your husband in private. 
but you don't harm him with your mouth. Never have an acid tongue. It's natural for marriages to have reasonable conflicts. In fact, I think we could say once conflicts start, somebody has, or once conflicts stop, somebody has given up. There has been a, a stop in communication. And when conflicts cease altogether, you're heading for disaster. I'll never forget, Adrian had a friend and she said, we never fight. And I said, they'll be divorced. And they did. When there ceases to be some kind of confrontation, it usually means there's a wife who has taken the reins of the marriage and the husband's just given up. Or you have a husband who has beaten his wife down to the point where she's given up. Now, there's a way to argue in the Bible. Song of Solomon has a lot of answers for us. There is a way to argue, and we may talk about that some other series. <laughs> but you might trim the nails, but you don't cut down to the quick. Because that hurts. And you don't go that far down because you know he's in a position ordained by God. And you're not going to hurt him. Proverbs 12.4 says, A wife who is not a crown to her husband is as rottenness to his bones. That means she's a cancer. Proverbs 21.9 says, It's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. You know, I have found that most men really don't like to argue. But good night the women that will track down a man to keep an argument going. Proverbs 27.15 says, A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. So wives, you respect him, you reverence the position he's in, but let's look at what else it means to submit. Would you turn to 1 Peter chapter 3? 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's read verses 1 through 6. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. That's the way they live. Verse 2, While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, and of wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. So Peter here, after saying that a wife is not to be overly concerned with the outward adorning, he says you, you need to adorn yourself inwardly with a meek and quiet spirit. Because that's of a great value to God. And then we read that holy women who trust in God adorn themselves by being in subjection to their husbands. The Bible is telling us here that a woman, a wife, 
beautifies herself by being in subjection to her husband. Wow. And then in verse 6, the example is given of Sarah who obeyed her husband Abraham by calling him Lord, which means she recognized his ordained authority. And I've been trying to get Adrian to call me Lord ever since I read that verse. All she calls me is Lord Business. And if you've never seen the Lego movie, that means nothing to you. But all I ask for is complete perfection. What does he say? That's close enough. The verse goes on to say, so you become her children. You become Sarah's children in the sense that when you obey your husband, you're modeling her. And uh, it says that you're not to be afraid with any amazement or alarm. Now, why does it say that? Because there can be fear, especially initially to obey a husband. And there's a concern that a wife may lose her identity. But men, let me tell you, I have never made a decision without my wife's input. There have been disagreements that we've talked through some things. There have been times where she deferred to my judgment. There's been times I deferred to her judgment. But I know that she trusts me. And ultimately, we will become unified in any decision we make. And that's obedience. And I'm secure in that. I know that ultimately my wife will defer to me that she's not going to bow up. She's not going to stiffen her neck, dig in her heels, but that she will eventually come alongside of me and that even if she feels differently, we're going to go forward unified and she's going to trust safely in me and I'm going to trust safely in my wife. Think about the account of Mary and Joseph. The angel Gabriel, he comes to Mary when she is uh, not married yet and he tells her God's plan for her life. But after they're married, God goes to Joseph. She had to trust Joseph when God told him, take your wife and the child and go down to Egypt. It can be fearful. But she had to trust. And then God said, I'm going to tell you when you're going back into the land of Israel. (laughs) And what's kind of humorous, if you want to look at it this way, is... uh, God told him all this through a dream. Hey, Mary, I had a dream. We're going to Egypt. I had another dream. It's time to go back to Israel. And then on the way, God changes the plan and says, you know what? You need to go into Galilee. And you're going to go to a town called Nazareth. But she kept following his leadership. Wives, how would you like to have been married to Joseph? It can be hard to follow sometimes. She had to learn not to fear in following her husband. But she understood the sovereignty of God and she understood her role in her husband's life. And so wives, I would encourage you, don't be frightened when you start following God's Word. When I was called to preach, my wife had to trust that I had heard from God. If she was going to reverently and obediently follow me in God's call for my life. She had to trust that. 
when we went through a very difficult situation in North Dakota in our church, I told my wife, I have to make a stand for what is right, and it may cost us our church. And it ultimately did. And she said, I'm with you. And after the vote, when I had to get up and walk out, she got up and walked out with me. When it came time to answer God's call to the pastorate, she had to trust that I knew this was God's will. And in turn, that it was God's will for our entire family. She knew, I didn't know at the time I would be medically discharged, but she knew that I was going to leave a very successful military career. And and I want you to understand, in all of our marriage, I've never had to concede my leadership of the home to an openly rebellious or passive rebellious wife. Because she ultimately knows I will not choose this church over her. She has to safely trust that. When a wife takes over a husband, he gets extremely frustrated. Because one of man's most precious commodities is his masculinity. And when that starts to be taken away from him, he will initially fight for it, But eventually, he's going to give up. And when a wife takes over, it's frustrating for the husband because she now has his role. And after years, he relents, and now the home is upside down in the eyes of God. And I've never, ever met a happy, joyous wife who has taken control of the home. Most of the time, they're bitter. Why? Because she is outside of God's design. And you end up seeing it manifested in this yakety-yak woman that won't shut up, but goes on and on, and the man's just over there smoking his cigarette, staring off in the distance. On the flip side, you'll see this dominant guy who has shouted her down, and now she won't even talk because she's lost all energy and has thrown in the towel. And man, I'm going to tell you, in time, Satan's going to bring a man along that's going to meet her affection needs. And she will go outside the home to find that. And so as I close, let me give you briefly what submission is not. Submission is not being a doormat covered in mud. Submission doesn't mean that a wife doesn't have an opinion. It doesn't mean she can't disagree it doesn't mean a wife doesn't have areas of expertise. And men, you'd be wise if you'd learn your wife's strengths and let her handle that. The reason my wife cooks. We'd be eating Pop-Tarts, macaroni and cheese, and cereal. And I'd still look as good. But seriously, if your wife is excellent in finances, let her run the finances. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact... I don't know if it's still going this way, but I know of one. He likes to do this. He knows if he's not constrained, he'll overspend it. And his wife oversees how much he can get to do that. That's wisdom. And so there's some areas she'll be better than you at. And don't hesitate to take advantage of that. Submission doesn't mean a wife doesn't develop spiritually. 
Doesn't mean she can't excel in, in her area of ministry. Ladies, a good wife will know the difference between freedom and independence. Between honesty and revenge. Between confrontation and being hurtful. Between dialogue with others and slander. And godly women know the limitations that God has placed them under. God has called the wife to be submissive, which is obedient and respectful. Satan went first to the wife to destroy the home. And wives, you've got to willingly place yourself under his authority. A husband cannot be what God has called him to be in the home if you will not do your part. He cannot rule his home well and you're robbing yourself of a blessing. But if there's a godly, submissive wife, then you have a husband who can be all that God has designed him to be. You know, you can have great government, but it doesn't matter if the people don't follow it. You can have great parents, and it doesn't matter if the children don't listen. You can have a great pastor, but you need a congregation which follows. And you may have a great husband, and you may not even know it yet because you've refused to let him lead and follow. Let's pray.